Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Hey. Uh, and we're here to bring you a special November-December FPL preview. Hopefully, by the end of this episode, you'll be able to avoid making too many short-sighted, reckless knee-jerk transfers over the very busy, festive periods. Uh, you can find us on Twitter if you want to be friends, at the Denalysis. But without further ado... Let's get into the pod. Okay, so this episode we're going to be looking at uh, the five game weeks between now and the start of what we're calling the Christmas period. Indeed. Uh, So we're going to look at the teams that it's probably best to pile up on a little bit in this period. Uh, We'll start with... Start with Liverpool, who, you know, frankly, if you haven't been getting in on these guys, like, what are you doing, son? Liverpool have been really good. Uh, they have really good fixtures. What more is there to say? I mean, obviously, there's the ongoing Mane and Salah debate. It seems like that's been kind of rounded off a bit now. I mean, Mane yeah. hasn't been firing like he was in the early early part of the season. And it yeah. looks like he's reverting to the mean, so to speak, or regressing to the mean. Uh, so, yeah, Salah, 13 million now. He's back to his original starting price has to be the the only real attacking option, right? I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, Robertson has gone all the way up to 6.5 now. He's yeah. in a new bracket, which is incredible. So but I think... He's brilliant. I think Robertson is actually a bit too expensive to buy if you haven't bought yeah. him already. Yeah, totally. Um, the only reason I'd buy Robertson at this point is if I was getting rid of Mendy. Mm-hmm. And then I'd... It's less of a price hit. Yeah, it's um, quite an easy swap. Van Dijk is a a good alternative if you've been priced out of that move already because he's, you know, he's going to start every game. Much like Robertson hasn't started every game this season, but he's definitely in that, you know, the the number one sort of starting eleven for sure. Um, so Van Dijk is at six point oh, which was also Robertson's starting price, and yeah, he's played every game this season. I kind of feel like we spoke about this a lot at the start of the season, like. I last season went for him and I really loved him and I was desperate for him to get his goal and it just didn't come. He had the Arsenal game a few weeks ago where he could have scored a hat-trick. It seems like Van Dijk is just, he's a more reliable sort of guy who's, the points have just got to trickle through. Maybe not quite as high value as Robertson though. And uh, Alexander-Arnold and Gomez at 5.0 and 5.1 respectively. A little bit risky, but do you think there's there's good value to be found here? Definitely. I think you can kind of almost take the slight hit of them maybe not playing every single game week in exchange for the cheaper price that you're paying for them. Yeah, totally. And I've gone with Gomez because the justification for that was essentially he can play in two positions. So he can play right back if Alexander-Arnold is getting a rest and he can play centre back uh, over Lovren. And it seems that he is the first choice over Lovren at the moment. Um, but yeah, Alexander-Arnold obviously got the assist and uh, I think two bonus points, was it, last last game week? Anyone else from Liverpool? I think like Shakiri deserves a, a bit of an honourable mention, but he's going to be a rotation issue. Yeah, he started the last game though, right? Yeah. And uh, got a goal. And he was, he was brilliant. He does seem to be... I, yeah, I don't know how he fits, like... He's one of those ones that has to be a punt and it seems kind of weird. Like 
the only instance I can see myself going for someone like Shakiri would be if I'm in a similar ha- uh, situation to how I am with Hazard right now, where it's like I don't have any Liverpool coverage. Right. Um, because Salah still has to be the option you're going to go with if you want someone who's going to get like multiple goals in a game and is nailed on to start. And just Shakiri being in that sort of mid-range, you do want a, a sure starter, really. But he yeah. is kind of interesting. He's just he just seems too risky without the the sort of massive upside if he does play. The annoying thing with Shakiri, I think, is that you'd rather he was either going to start or not going to play. Yeah, exactly. I think if that was the situation, I'd recommend him more. Yeah. But because he might come on, he might play ten minutes and not have a chance to do anything. Yeah. That that's the annoying thing. I guess with a guy like him, what you need is an injury to one of those front three, and that all of a sudden would make him become highly valuable because he would yeah. slot right in. Uh, so if Mane was to get an injury, for example, that would be a really, a really interesting move to make. But at the moment, it seems too risky. Uh, so it's only natural that we follow on from a rotation risk discussion with a little mention for the OGs and Man City. Uh, they face only one top six side in the next eight, which I thought was a little bit interesting. That's quite good. Considering they are quite a good team, good at the football. Uh, so who have you highlighted for, for Man City? Who should we talk about? Aguero, again. 11.4 now, which I feel like is more than the last time we spoke about him. Yeah, um, yeah. I do now wholeheartedly... I believed this before, but I didn't wholeheartedly believe it before. Yeah. He His consistency is worth the money. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I kind of... Um, I was listening to another podcast earlier this week, and I just remember them saying something about he is kind of a rare breed in that he offers both consistency and explosiveness, which... You kind of, you don't get many players that do that who can score like three, four goals in one game, but will also get one goal a game when they're not doing it. So I kind of agree. And I mean, you know, I'm still riding out the Aubameyang train, but... Which I think is fine. He's, he's, I think, third top scorer in the game at the moment, Aguero, just behind Hazard and Alonso. So there's no doubt he's he's performing at his value. Uh, So yeah, obviously... I guess most people would have him already at this point, wouldn't you? Like, the only instance you'd have to bring Aguero in would be if you're in a situation a bit like mine, where you've got you've gone for like Aubameyang instead or or Kane even. Yeah. But if you had Kane now, yeah, absolutely, I'd I'd switch to Aguero. <laughs> no way I'd even uh, consider anything else. Uh, David Silva at eight point six now. So what do we think? I thought. Yesterday, when I was making these notes, I thought David Silva is the best midfield option. Sterling has almost priced himself out of being an option. Yeah. Um, and for me, the consistency isn't on a level with Aguero. Yeah. Um, like, even though Sterling is definitely capable of scoring as many points, if not more points than Aguero, I just don't like it because I've got <laughs> issues. Um but David Silva, two goals and two assists in the last four fixtures. So that's accumulated to 28 points from the last four game weeks. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, that's let good. me get him in. Until today I saw on Reddit, and I didn't fact check this, 
but I, but it was on Reddit, so it must be true, hmm. that David Silva has not scored any attacking FPL points away from home yet this season. What? And you then must bear in mind that three of the next five City fixtures are away from home. The West Ham, the Watford and the Chelsea are all away from home. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. But isn't Aguero in a very similar situation? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would never captain Aguero away from home. I'm not doing it. I don't care. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, the fixtures they have, you know, besides Chelsea, it's just a pretty good run. But I also think Bernardo Silva, I think he's gone back up to 7.5 now. Yeah. I did include Bernardo Silva originally in this. Yeah. And then I thought about it a bit more and was like... Uh, yeah, he, so uh, the thing that made me a little bit interested in Bernardo Silva, and I, I've got David, so basically I just love him. I think he's amazing. Um, but Bernardo Silva, I think he's got like one more point than David. So although they've been scoring in different games, Bernardo Silva's consistency is, you know, on a very similar level and he's at 7.5, a whole million cheaper. The thing I feel that's, kind of interesting with David Silva is he's been getting a lot more goals than he usually does. And that's probably what what would just tip it for me a little bit because he's been very creative. He's been creating a lot of chances. He's right up the top of the league. I think Fraser's top for chances created still, but David Silva's right up there. Um, but yeah, Bernardo Silva sort of matching him at the moment makes... I don't know, if you need to save that that extra million or you just want a City boy... Bernardo was quite popular at the start of the season, but kind of got transferred out by a lot of people because he he had a few consecutive blanks. Yeah. Uh, but he has been consistently one of the the best players in this team. I mean, both both Silvers have been amazing. Uh, and lastly, we've got Laporte, who yeah, he's the obvious Mendy replacement. He's six point oh. He's also yeah. moved up a price bracket since uh, beginning of the season and great player. Yeah, I'm switching out like it's so annoying because I can't really afford to do this in my tip like I don't have the space to mess around with Mendy right now but the move I'm gonna have to make for the next game week is Mendy to the port yeah I mean the the thing that I'm having an issue with at the moment is Edison just seems insistent Uh... on giving away a stupid penalty every game so I didn't watch hi everyone I've been away for a week so I only watched match of the day yesterday yeah and I'd forgotten I'd forgotten about how the who were Man City playing? Uh, Man United. Oh yeah, just that little fixture. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd forgotten how the goal had come about. Like I would just like, oh okay, obviously Man United score at some point. Yeah. And then I saw it and was like, oh, why? It's um, it, it's quite frustrating because it was basically the exact same penalty he gave away against Southampton. Yeah. Yeah, and there was no need. There was no need for it. So I'm hoping that he stops doing that. Uh, and then I can get some points from Laporte. But yeah, I think he he is the only one you can really look at at the moment for Man City defence because Walker at 6.5, he's a bit too much. He doesn't really... I think Laporte quite consistently finds himself up near the top of the uh, the bonus standings for defenders. Yeah, I don't uh, think Walker's worth the money. Yeah, um, because Laporte just basically... he he does all of his duties so well. Like, he's constantly intercepting, constantly recovering the ball. 
His pass accuracy is always spot on. And I do think he has some goal threat as well. I think he's got... He's definitely got two for the season. Might even be three. He's got one in the league. And he scored at least one in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, he... I think he's brilliant. I think he's the most nailed on defender. And you kind of have to have him in your team if you're getting a City defender. Defensive solidity, it's always going to be a positive. But sometimes you've got to let a little chaos into your life. And that's why we head to West Ham, who arguably have the best fixture run we've seen this season. Uh, seven of their eight fixtures after Man City, which is uh, game week 13, are against the bottom half team. And the one top half team they face is Watford. So that is freaking sexy. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, aren't, you, aren't you getting rid of Diop this week? Oh, uh, yeah. So I feel <laughs> like we should come to this a bit later because I want to... I'll talk you through my, my transfer plans. Okay. Because they're, they're a bit confusing. I have to go through them methodically. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't really... I don't really think this week is the time you bring the West Ham defender in. Well, no, perhaps <laughs> not against City. It's probably not the greatest idea. Yeah, but they um, have some good options, right? Like, Well, I think, to be fair to Fabianski, I, I'm very annoyed that I ever got rid. Yeah. I wish I'd kept the faith after game week three or whatever it was. Um, I'm kind of annoyed. But obviously West Ham have only kept one clean sheet this entire season. Um. But Fabianski has made 51 saves, which is the second most saves in the Premier League. Yeah. Second to Joe Hart, which is still baffling. <laughs> yeah, I, he's a, an amazing option purely because of that. And I think in oh, this run... 4.5 as well, Fabianski still. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. And that that is where the value is for goalkeepers. Uh, especially when you see how easy it is for a guy like Edison to give, a, uh, give away a clean sheet. Uh, just by conceding a, a stupid penalty, he's a goal down and City don't face enough shots for it to be worth investing that extra million. Yeah. Uh, and it's a similar situation with Allison, where he's 5.5, but you're better off getting a defender who has the opportunity for bonus points um, and someone attacking like, like Robertson. So with West Ham, you do have Fabianski who gets right up there in the bonus points when when they do have a clean sheet or sometimes even when they concede one or two goals. Um, but elsewhere we have Arnautovic who, you know, he's the go-to guy. He's the obvious one at 7.1. Uh, you've got down here, he's the obvious Mitrovic move. Yeah. If you're getting rid of Mitrovic and you can, you've got some extra cash lying around. Yeah. Arnautovic is the place to go. Yeah, because what is Mitrovic? He started at 6.5 and he's, he's gone maybe... up to 6.9. Is that right? Oh, he's definitely not up, still up there now. Oh, uh, is he gone? <laughs> Let me just... Uh, 6.6 now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. damn. I haven't looked at him in ages. I might have a bit about Mitrovic later. I might not. Don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I'm keeping Mitrovic around for this Southampton game this week. The, yeah. There's a million reasons to, to keep him around this week if Arnautovic is your proposed move. Exactly. So after this game week, then I'll deal with Mitrovic. But yeah. for the moment, I might even captain him just as like one last hurrah. Yeah. Um, I won't, but I might do. Uh, so Arnautovic is quite directly comparable with Felipe Anderson, who is priced at 6.9. Obviously, Arnautovic is a striker, Felipe Anderson in midfield. Um so the difference 
in the last few games is quite significant. Anderson's been outscoring him, so he's got three goals in two games and actually playing well, as you say. Uh, but Arnautovic has only scored once in his last four starts. This is kind of where I feel like you have to... Uh, it depends on what your, your team structure is. Like, have you already got three forwards that you want to keep? Have you got that sort of space for a 6.9, 7.0 midfielder? Like, it'd be very easy to do a move of, say, Madison to Felipe Anderson right yeah, now. Yeah, which that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Yeah, so those those sort of things make sense. Um, if I was going to pick one of the two, and obviously I'm going to say this because I have him, I think Arnautovic shades it purely by being the guy that, you know, everything goes through. He is the main man at West Ham. But for these fixtures, there's definitely no reason why you shouldn't have both. Yeah, I If you can think... fit them in, then that's what you want to do. Yeah, it's not a terrible idea. I mean, I, I'm kind of thinking about potentially benching um, Arnautovic for the City game. I've but got there's... Felipe Anderson on the bench at the moment. Yeah, there's part of me that feels bad about it because I'm just thinking Edison's going to do something. He's going to well, do something crazy. At this rate, with all of these injuries, I'm going to have to play Felipe Anderson <laughs> regardless. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm going to have to play Diop regardless. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Oh, you know what? Actually, a little shout for Diop, because obviously we mentioned him last week, 4.3. Very nearly scored in that game against Huddersfield. Yes, but this has been the problem since you bought him, is that he's very nearly scored in every game. He does it a lot of times, doesn't he? It's quite upsetting. He's Just clearly winning the, the headers, and it's Balbuena getting all the goals. Um, yeah, so it's kind of disappointing there. As you say, one clean sheet all season, but they do face a lot of low-scoring teams in the coming weeks. So West Ham are more sort of ones to watch. Or if you need... It's, it's kind of coming to the end of Palace's like horrible run, so I don't know if it's it makes sense to do like a one Bissaka to Diop or something. But they are coming into this, this great run of fixtures. And, and I see no reason not to look at at least a double up with, with two of those three that we mentioned. Oh, there's one thing, one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, there are rumours that Samin Nazri is potentially going to sign for West Ham. I think his Who? ban... He's banned, basically, for <laughs> drug cheating. He's banned. And I was like, what's his ban No, his ban hasn't do... broken up. <laughs> what's his ban got to do with his transfer to West Ham? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he's been banned for illegal substances or something for, like, six months. Um, but Diane Garner recently emerged as, like, a a great potential 4.5 starter at West Ham. And I just keep an eye on this uh, potential Sami Nasri effect because if he does sign for them, Dian Garner's back on that bench and you've wasted a transfer for a 4.5 guy who isn't going to play. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. Like, I don't think he can actually transfer until January, so it may actually be irrelevant for now. But, you know, the more you know. Okay, moving on. So they've just come off the back of two consecutive losses but I kind of feel like they can count themselves a little unlucky for the second. So Brighton is who we're talking about. And they have a nice run in for the next four fixtures. And they continue to look like a strong value pick. Although there's maybe a little bit of uncertainty about the best place to look. Uh, my personal feelings at the moment, I'm, I'm on Matt Ryan and Lewis Dunk looking like the, the strongest prospects in that Brighton team. What are your thoughts? Can we talk about not only Lewis Stunk's second goal in two game weeks, but also his first international start? Oh, 
what a wonderful man, eh? He did well as well. He had a good game. I'm so, so happy for him. I love him so much and I can't wait for him to marry me. <laughs> good. That's all. Is that That's all? all I have to say. <laughs> well, you... I've actually written here if he keeps heading in this direction. Oh, I see and what you've done. it's funny because he's heading the ball into the goal. 10 out of 10 um, for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But I don't know also if it's a thing that if Dunk scores, Brighton have to lose. Yeah, it would seem that way, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, it was. I, I was quite excited for you because you were obviously away and I saw mm-hmm. Dunk scored in the first four minutes of this game and I was like, oh my God, it's happened. And then they go and concede two and lose to Cardiff. So, yeah. I, I mean, the last one was offside. There was no real debate about it, but like... yeah. And I think, obviously, if they hadn't had Stevens sent off... Yeah. If Stevens hadn't got himself sent off... Yeah, if Stevens hadn't committed a clear red card offence... <laughs> um, then it would have could have maybe been a different story. Yeah. But I don't think it was the worst loss of all time. I feel you. Uh, so the teams they face, they have Leicester at home next, they have Huddersfield away, Crystal Palace at home, and Burnley away. So that's two home games out of four. Chelsea is home after that, and that's... A, you know, they are the kind of team that I think they can cause a problem for a team like Chelsea at home. I agree. But um, that's... It's a nice run of fixtures. I kind of haven't seen enough of Brighton playing confidently away from home yet, I think. Like, that was obviously last season's hang-up, was they're great at home, they're terrible away. Um, and, and this year just... they're great at home and not so terrible away. <laughs> Well, they're still quite bad away. Like I don't know if the they Cardiff are. game was away, wasn't it? Fair. Yeah. I think Old Trafford but they was were down maybe to the 10 only men one they've. Yeah. yeah, I just, I kind of worry about committing to them, just assuming they will be better. The thing is, like, where are you committing? So if you're committing with Lewis Dunk, it's four point five. Yeah. That's not a lot of money. Yeah. Like that's hardly a commitment. If you're committing with Glenn Murray because you're moving from Mitrovic to him. 6.6, not big deal. Mitrovic hasn't been doing anything for you for the last eight weeks. It's not going to be a big deal if Murray's not doing anything either, is it? And Murray's what, like, only, like, top scorer from, like, a team that isn't Man City or Chelsea or whatever. Yeah. My kind of takeaway from Murray, and this is the same with any attacking player in Brighton, is that he is such a good poacher, but I feel like his limit in most games is going to be one goal or no goals he's not really much he doesn't really do much in the way of assists but for 6.6 are you expecting that player to get more than one goal a game oh well, i am with my man jimenez he's okay. killing it right now <laughs> okay at 5.8 or whatever jimenez is an anomaly jimenez is going to be like 10 million next year <laughs> so if we discount jimenez for this particular discussion yeah it's, it's good price i just I have this fundamental fear of teams who aren't very attacking getting FPL players from them. So uh, if Criadio and Knockart are two other options at 5.9 and 5.5 respectively. I wouldn't recommend getting either of them in right now. Yeah. But I do still think they're worth keeping an eye on throughout the season. Yeah. Knockart's back in as a starting player because your handback is injured with something or other. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> and if... Brighton do get get actually good at some point this season. 
I do still believe that those two players are worth paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. We we need to... I think with Brighton, Murray and Dunk and, and Matt Ryan also are fairly obvious. Like, these players are good. They're kind of established in the squad. And you, you know more or less what you're going to get from them. Um, any other attackers from Brighton at the moment, the jury's out on them, really. And I think we have to wait and see if they can get... If I can see them winning like two games on the bounce away from home, I think yeah. that will be where I start to take note. Um, but they do, like I say, they have good fixtures in the next four. So if you are looking for a budget option, um, defensively also, because I could definitely see like they face Leicester, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace and Burnley. I could see four clean sheets. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen because when does that ever happen? Yeah, but, but it's I not beyond think, the realms of possibility. You know, Leicester failed to score against Burnley. Burnley failed to score in most games. Crystal Palace <laughs> are just like... Crystal Palace without without Zaha Zaha. Is, is not a, a team. Yeah, they're, they're terrible in both scenarios. So it, they are really good fixtures, actually. But I obviously have Matt Ryan, so I don't need to bring another in. Wolves. What are we saying about these What happened men? to your segues? I just realised I don't have one for Wolves. <laughs> okay, because I put it in late. Yeah. So uh, Jimenez, who we were just talking about, he's at 5.8 yeah. now. Five goals and three assists in this season. And uh, Wolves are just a good team and they face Huddersfield and Cardiff next. They're, if you're doing like a... If you're trying to free up money, like if you're doing a Mitrovic downgrade or something to free up some money for midfield or a defender if you're just switching like Danny Ings out or something like Jimenez has to be right at the top of your list right yeah I'm livid that I can't I don't have the free enough free transfers to get Jimenez in this week yeah yeah I mean I'm even considering him as a captain option that was my move this week yeah I was like right Jimenez come on finally you're in but it's not to me he's kind of an interesting one and he's kind of the um the antithesis to the glenn murray so you know i always complain like glenn murray he doesn't get enough chances but when he does he scores them jimenez is the polar opposite he gets a lot of chances he misses a lot of chances but he also scores them because he gets so many so i the other thing i like about him is just that he's integral to their build-up like he has good link up with doherty he gets um he creates a lot of chances and he gets assists and all of that stuff feeds into the bonus system. Uh, last week he got an assist and a bonus point and I had him on my bench, which was nice, but you know, like, Oh, welcome to me, Danny Ings on my bench. <laughs> <sighs> but, but this is kind of the thing I like about him. Like it doesn't really matter who he's playing. He can, he can get a return because that's an assist against Arsenal and previously a, a goal against Spurs. Um, oh, wait, it was a goal and an assist, wasn't it? Because I think he won the penalty, one of the penalties they took. So, yeah, I, I'd look no further if you're looking for a cheap uh, cheap attacker at that price. It's irresistible. Mm. Uh, and their defence, again, these two two fixtures coming up, I think you need one, right? You need at least one because there's probably going to be two clean sheets for them in the next... Um, in the next two games and after that they may face Chelsea at home uh, Newcastle away and Bournemouth at home but all three of those fixtures I can see there being something in those for Wolves and I guess the standout is Doherty he's at 4.9 now 
he's probably going to be the guy I bring in this week. I did get rid of him a while ago, foreseeing that he would probably go on a bit of a bad run, which he has done uh, in terms of actual score. Yeah. But he hasn't dropped in price. So I was hoping people would knee-jerk him out a bit more and they didn't really do that, but... You've still got time. At, at, at 4.9, like, even at that price, he performs, you know, so high above his value, it feels like, because he can he can get goals, he can get assists, and he does create a lot of chance chances. Uh, also, Wolves seem to have a little bit of a right-sided bias when they attack, like, everything goes down that side. Um, so, yeah, if you can afford him, if you don't already have him, you you got to get him in, in my opinion. Uh, do you, How do you feel about a double-up on, like, Wolves' defence at the moment? Because I'm kind of a little bit more reluctant for that now. You know I won't do it. Yeah. Like, I was thinking that. I was like, why don't I have a Wolves defender? And then I was like, oh, I've got old Roy Patricia. Oh, you still got Roy, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not happening for me, I'm afraid. Uh, we're sticking with Patricia. He's going to live his life, but... Yeah, yeah, and he's obviously a, another solid option to have there they they also have some interesting midfielders i mean i was thinking after the end of last game week i was thinking about maybe cavallero because he's really cheap i think he's like 4.8 or something he's 5.2 oh is he 5.2 who else is there there's yeah oh helder costa that was it he's 4.9 i kind of feel like there might be value there but it's a little bit risky like, uh, it was Caviero's first start of the season against Arsenal. And I don't know if there's maybe going to be a little bit more rotation there because Jota is still... I guess he's not quite so favoured at the moment because his form's been bad, but you never know if he might drop... Uh, he might get back in the side ahead of Caviero at some point. But yeah, they do potentially have some nice little bargain guys there. Okay, elsewhere we have plenty of options, but the following teams that we're going to look at they're slightly more risky, but definitely worth keeping a hold of. So whether it be down to good form, having money tied up in them already, or just the light of good fixtures at the end of the tunnel. Arsenal are one of those teams that we're looking at, and they've seen a slight downturn in form, but they do remain unbeaten in 16, which is pretty positive overall, and still offer a couple of tidy options. Key to that is Aubameyang, 10.9, almost back to his original price of 11 million, and... Yeah, he, he can score in any game, essentially. it's It seems wise to keep a hold of him, right? Yeah, I think so. I think if you've kept... if Like, for you, for, yeah. for you, for example, like, you've had him for so long, it seems silly to kind mm. of get rid now. Um, and especially if you do have, like, Man City or Chelsea or and Liverpool, like, covered in some yeah. guys, then I don't think you need to worry about getting rid of Aubameyang at this stage because I think the fixtures are all right as well like it's not like Aubameyang doesn't have the potential to score in each of the next five fixtures and I'm very interested to see how he does against the likes of Spurs and Man U so their fixtures are kind of hit and miss it's it's Bournemouth first away from home and I can't decide whether that's going to be the sort of game where they set up in a way that makes it quite free-flowing open game or if they try to stifle Arsenal I think they're kind of capable of both, but that could definitely end up being a high-scoring game because these are two attack-minded teams. And uh, Spurs and Man United, they've not really been keeping the clean sheets of late. So even those next three are quite quite positive, but after that, it gets really nice. Uh, I also wanted to highlight Bellerin and Monreal, which I know 
will be met with some scepticism from you. But the reason I wanted to look at this was because Koscielny has obviously been out for a, a long time uh, since he got injured at the end of last season. But he's just back in full training now. And from game week 16 to 19, Arsenal face Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley and Brighton. And then game week 20 is Liverpool, but after that it's Fulham at home as well. And I just feel like there's some really good potential for, for clean sheets there. It's it's kind of one of those wait-and-see scenarios where Arsenal are constantly improving and what we see over the next three game weeks uh, three game weeks could determine whether or not it's worth looking at an Arsenal defensive asset because Bellerin at 5.4 and Monreal at 5.5, especially if Koscielny's coming back into the side and, and shoring up that defence a little bit, they offer both good attacking potential uh, because Monreal obviously is quite the goal scorer and uh, Arsenal just attack a lot with those those wide fullbacks. Um, and coming up against Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley and Brighton, all four teams that struggle to score goals. So I think there could be a nice little uh, little differential bit of potential there, but it's very much one to, to kind of think about now and keep an eye on rather than commit to it necessarily. But that's the only other place I really see obvious potential value in Arsenal. Um, personally, I've got Ozil, but I wouldn't actually recommend him to anyone because I'm kind of doing it out of blind faith that he will just produce. Are you keeping him? Yeah, I'm going to keep him because I've done like, I've been bringing him in and sending him back out time and time again. And I just, I just need to relax and give him a chance because otherwise I'll never reap the rewards. I do think he's, he certainly has the potential to be good, but I can't, I can't back that up with any real evidence other than just like a, a sort of gut feeling that, that it might happen. Um, but I think Bellerin and Monreal offer more more obvious points potential, especially if Arsenal start defending a little bit more solidly. But at the moment, it doesn't necessarily look that way. Uh, fixtures aside, Bournemouth have shown undeniably good form so far and could be worth holding even in this slightly hellish run that they face. Uh, maybe not the time to have two or three players, though. So I'm looking at their next four. They face Arsenal, Man City, Huddersfield and Liverpool. Obviously some tricky games there. Not the time to have a Bournemouth def uh, defender, to say the least. But uh, we've got Fraser highlight here. 6.2 now. Yeah, I don't think it's worth getting rid now. If you've had him for... Well, it depends, I guess, but... I don't think it's for me personally. I don't think it's worth him getting rid of him now. Um, you might as well stick these rough fixtures out, bench him if you want, and then keep him for the good ones. Um, I don't know if there's anyone in particular who I'd switch him out for. Yeah. Like I guess it depends how much money you have lying around in the in the bank. But assuming you don't have much, I don't feel like there are many other like great options. That yeah, you you'd have to go to instead. someone like. Good Munson, wouldn't you? There's not really, there aren't too many six point ish midfielders. Yeah, with Madison out as well. Hmm. I've been really impressed with Bournemouth in general. Like they can score goals in any game. Uh, I don't think they'll fail to score against Arsenal. I'd be very happy if they did, but they seem like the kind of team that that can score in any game, even against City and Liverpool potentially. Like, I wouldn't bet on it, but but they can definitely do it. Um, I think Wilson is 
a trickier one because his price is very similar to the likes of Arnautovic. And yeah. obviously, as we spoke about earlier, Jimenez, it's an easy downgrade there as well that can uh, free up some money for you. So the Wilson one's a bit harder to judge. I think Ooh. I'd probably switch him out for at least the next couple. Like yeah. maybe even do a switch to Jimenez for the next two game weeks. Yeah. And then a switch to Arnautovic after that. Yeah. And then back to Wilson if you want him over Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it's Arsenal Man City back to back is not ideal. Um and then Liverpool after after Huddersfield. I you on paper you'd think that they're not gonna score many in those. So I guess it's a case of trying to maximise. Like even though it is possible that Wilson could score in those, you really want to maximise your points and having Having the obvious uh, transfer to Jimenez, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It just makes a lot of sense. I, I kind of really like their assets, but I think now is probably a good time to sort of just keep one around rather than uh, going too gung-ho. Uh, moving on to Chelsea. They last played out a 0-0 draw with Everton, and that propelled Alonso to the top-scoring FPL player. Four points ahead of the second-top scorer, Eden Hazard. So if you remove... Either of these players, I kind of feel like you're not going to be getting them back, are you? It's pretty hard at this point. Like, if yeah. you've had Alonso since the beginning or since early on, he's gone up to uh, 7.1. He started at 6.5. Uh, and Hazard is all the way up at 11.3, I think. Yeah. Unless he's dropped, yeah. So, it's kind of tricky with these guys because I feel like Chelsea have been getting a lot of praise. But I'm kind of wondering if they're actually that good at the moment like they failed to score against Everton they drew 2-2 of Man United um they obviously have some good good results around that but they do have a sort of mixed bag coming up they face Tottenham away Fulham at home uh Wolves away Man City at home it's kind of hard to judge with that what how do you feel about the Hazard guys as uh, the Hazard guys the Chelsea guys not great to be honest like, I don't really know what to do with Hazard. And at the moment, I'm just keeping him because I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And I think I'll just I'll just chicken out and I'll just keep him for the whole time because I'm too scared to get rid. Yeah. Alonso, I think, if you have him, you have to keep him. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can really get rid. Unless you're just bored of his shit and <laughs> you're happy to downgrade to like a Robertson or a Laporte if you don't have either of those. Um, but yeah, I think if you do have Alonso, you have to ha- you have to keep him and you have to start him in all of these games because I can't imagine benching Alonso. Yeah, it'd be weird. It'd be uh, be ballsy. I guess my take on Hazard in particular. Um, I round about week three, like the way he was playing, he just looked so exceptional and so direct and so threatening. I feel like I haven't seen that in the last few weeks. He obviously gets a lot of the ball. Um, he had a lot of the ball against Everton, but he didn't really produce anything um, anything particularly dangerous throughout the game. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Hazard at the moment. Like he, he looks to be more like his old self, where it's like he'll spend the whole game getting through on goal and, and creating like decent chances, but never quite clear cut chances or or never quite getting that final touch and I feel like Hazard's slipping a little bit back into that sort of form and with Spurs and, and Wolves and City in the next four 
those are all teams that I think will go out to will go out to really restrict the amount of space that he gets and they'll they'll know how how important it is to stop him. So I think now is a good time to get rid of him if you are wavering, but also you know, he's he is obviously an exceptional player. So if you've got money invested in him, I do think is a risk, but I think is a risk worth taking if you feel like you see you see someone else who can take that role or you know, I think in most cases it's got to be if you see two players that you can bring into your team that will outscore just Hazard. Um because it's quite it's quite tricky in this period. Like if you've got lots of eleven million ish players and you've got Salah as well, you might be like me where you have Hudson Odoi on the bench and that's not a situation you want to be in over Christmas at all. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with you on Alonso though. I kind of think there's no real reason to get rid of Alonso purely because he's just been so consistent. Um and it's annoying to me because he seems to he seems to pull it out of the bag every week, even when they concede a goal early on. It's like, great, no clean sheet for Alonso this week. Yeah, no go He'll get, get an assist, assist and yeah. then he'll get a bonus point. And I'm like, oh, what is the point? Yeah. So I think he is, you know, at the moment he's the top scorer in the game. It, it's obvious that he's he's providing the most value. Whether that will continue is is hard to say, but but he is doing it. And uh I think he's probably the the one that you can't get rid of of those two. Uh, so Everton also have been quietly improving under Silva, and they've got four wins in six. Uh, oh. So their running isn't amazing ahead, no. uh, but there's certainly potential for attacking points, I'd say. And the other thing to mention is that they are looking increasingly more defensively solid. Uh, obviously, a clean sheet against Chelsea is testament to that. Yeah. Uh, the next game is Cardiff at home. And this is the one that's really messing with my my plans because I'm like, ah, uh, I want to get Richarlison. But now he's 6.9. And what is his deal? Is he good? I mean, what my note is that he hasn't scored less than three points a game week in the last six. So yeah. he's worth keeping hold of. But I mean, I said a similar thing about Solly March. So, <laughs> and he's a um, bit cheaper. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I don't know if if I already had Richardson, I would keep him, hmm. but I don't know if I would buy him. Yeah, and that's kind of the issue I was having. For me, it was it was Doherty versus Richardson this week, and obviously Doherty has two good fixtures, but Richardson has Cardiff this week, and I was thinking, oh, I could just get him and hopefully he scores like twenty points or something. But then I don't know, like Cardiff look a bit more competitive to me now. Like they've they've obviously won a couple of games and they don't look like the pushovers that we thought they were. So what I then did was sort of looked beyond that and it's Liverpool away after that, Newcastle at home after that, Watford at home after that, and then Man City away. And I'm I'm just finding it really hard to place Everton. Like Sigurdsson is the other potential op- option at 7.5. You know, I wouldn't be massively against looking at their defence. Uh, Luca Dean is obviously a a decent option there because he he gets forward quite a lot. Uh, but I think yeah, he's... I did have I did have a little look at their defence, and I didn't really like the pricing that much. Yeah, that's the biggest problem I have there because you compare him to someone like Wolves, who seems to be offering more value. Uh, you know, they're actually fairly similar though. So if you look at Luca Dean, he's four point eight. 
And he starts. Yeah, he starts now. So it used to be Baines, but Baines is like an old man now. So he's... Uh... I quite like that Jagielka's just on minus two points for the season. That is amazing. He's going to stay there, isn't he? Well, he came he's on this... He's never going to play again. Oh, is This for week real? he came on, yeah. I didn't notice. Damn. We shall also throw in a reluctant message uh, for the kings of underwhelming performances, and that is Man United. Uh, Martial, he's been... Go on. I don't know how he does it. He's been unstoppable, hasn't he? In in an FPL context, anyway. Truly. So he kind of appears to be a genuine option, and it doesn't sit well with me. He's risen (laughs) to 7.6, five goals in five games... Yeah, I, I would say he is the only United player worth having, but the the problem I have is I don't see it with my eyes. Like, I don't see him playing particularly well, and I don't see him having a lot of chances, but it seems every game he starts, he's like, I'm going to score. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Do you think that is good enough to... to good enough evidence to like bring someone in just that they're getting the goals because obviously consider that we're now five goals in uh, five games into his well this is scoring a goal every game i think three weeks ago it would have been great yeah but now i'm like now it's like oh if i waited too long yeah because he had a similar run last season really uh just before just before man united signed alexis sanchez this was obviously a slightly different circumstance because what happened was he was on a great run. He'd scored like four goals in three games or something. And then Sanchez signed and Sanchez got his spot. And it was like, oh, so Martial was on really, really good form and you've just dropped him for Sanchez. And Sanchez like didn't score for the rest of the season. Uh, so the the thing... The thing that's positive now is it seems that he's got that starting berth nailed down. They do face Palace and Southampton in their next two. That's got to be encouraging, right? Yeah, At least. and then Fulham after Arsenal as well. Yeah. But the question is, do you bring him in? I mean, for me, it's a no. For me, that price is a little bit too high. It's undeniable that he's he's in good form. He's getting the points every week. But I just don't see it on the pitch. Like, Man United could easily go missing in, in these games and just play out a boring nil-nil or end up losing to a freaking Serloff goal or something. I'd definitely keep Marshall, but I wouldn't buy him. Yeah, yeah. I think he fits this perfectly. Leicester also find themselves in a, a similarly strange position of having quite decent fixtures, but no clear standout players. Uh, Madison was a, an early favourite. He did really well, and then he got injured, and it looks like he's a little little punk ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, really struggling of knowing where to look with um, Madison out. Yeah. My first thought was Ian Acho, who's five point nine. Yeah. But also, he's still not assured a start every week. Yeah, because I don't think he started last week, did he? He hasn't started the last two, I don't think. Oh right. Mm. Yeah. Um. Now with Madison out, there's a space for Gazal, um, who the commentators were calling. Oh. Gazal. No, something. I remember them calling him something like. Like it was a another word, like a brand or something. Right. Oh god! And I, was like, I wish I could it's, remember. 
It's not going to be pronounced like that, but okay. Yeah. Hello, this is a brief edit from Dan. It was Gazelle. They were calling him Gazelle. Gazelle the Gazelle. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's 5.2, but um, I still don't know if he's worth the fantasy t- punt yet. Um, no, he's not. The only other place to look is really Pereira and Chilwell, the, the mm. 5.0 and 5.1 defenders. And you know how we feel about Leicester keeping clean sheets, right? It ain't good. So, I mean, their fixtures are... For the next three, I think they're they're fairly good. But and you have sort of quite basket case... Not basket case, that's not fair. But sort of quite unpredictable clubs. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion next. But that's away from home. So, at the Amex, you know, they always give you trouble. Uh, Watford at home after that. We never know what Watford is going to show up. And then Fulham away from home after that. Fulham have obviously just replaced their manager. So it's is that a good fixture? We don't really know yet. We don't really know what sort of changes Ranieri is going to make. Personally, I, I'd say when you've got, again, Doherty 4.9, Pereira and Chilwell, they're just slightly too expensive for the the potential output. Um, I can't see them keeping consistent clean sheets, even though I think they're both very good players. Uh, yeah, I think Leicester have, have proven themselves to be fairly unreliable in the in most games this season. Uh, so we know how important it is to have bench players who can come in over the Christmas period. So we decided to highlight a few solid bench players who could pop up as a little tasty differential for you. Looking first at Cardiff, Neil so Warnock's let, legends. Let me explain what has happened here. Yeah. I did have Cardiff, Newcastle and Huddersfield, right? Uh-huh. Because teams who aren't haven't been that great so yeah. far this season, but teams who do have all right fixtures for the next five weeks. Yeah. Um, And I, I thought we can't just ignore them like this. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And so I've come up with some... Some bench differentials. Yeah. Because you know you like to keep your bench jumping. Well, absolutely. And Sol Bamber is the first selection at 4.5. Why don't more people own Sol Bamber? I don't understand. <laughs> it's the one bissaka syndrome, isn't it? It's the fact that he's 4. Point, well, started at 4.0. He's been the fifth, uh, the fifth defender for everyone for the whole season. Bamber? No, uh, Wan-Bissaka. Oh, wan Yeah. Oh, so no one's had time to get Bamba in. Exactly, because you... I might make the switch, to be honest, because two goals, two clean sheets and an assist this season for 4.5, and I feel like that's more than wan has got. Yeah, he, he's a very interesting option, because I actually think Cardiff have, you know, I mentioned it earlier, they've shown themselves to be a lot more resilient than we maybe thought they were. And the fact that they're their style of play is so physical and so like old school British it means that a guy like Bamba, who's big and strong, like he benefits so much from that style of play because he can score goals from, from corners and set pieces. And that's very much how, how Cardiff like to play their football, just pumping long balls into the box. And he doesn't even get booked when he takes his shirt off either. Exactly. He's got plot armour. It's great. Uh, Newcastle are maybe slightly un- underrated due to their nightmare start to the season. And they also got some quite poor results earlier on, I think, against 
fairly evenly matched opposition. But they have managed two wins in their last three. And one thing I noticed was they're both against top half opposition. And uh, they've only conceded one goal in those three games. So it kind of gives you an idea of like what sort of team Newcastle can be on their day. Yeah. And uh, I certainly think with their, their fixture running, they have to be a team that you look at if you're looking for someone to sort of make the difference for you. Uh, so you've highlighted Rondon at 5.7. Yeah. Who knew? Where's he been? What's he been up to? Well, my understanding is that he was injured slash not fit. Uh, so I, I think it maybe took him a little while to get back to proper like playing fitness. Right. And it was uh, was like a combination of guys like Muto and, and Hosselu and, um, and Perez starting up front. And while they're all good in their own sort of ways, they're all very hard-working strikers. Rondon is about the most Newcastle a striker can get. Uh, he's he's big, he's strong, he's good in the air. And uh, what was it, two goals in the last, um, the last game week, right? Yep. So that is obviously going to get you excited. But also the fact that they're playing Burnley, West Ham, Everton, Wolves and Huddersfield in their next five... These are all games that they, I think they'd look at and they'd target as potential potential wins or draws. What are your thoughts on him overall? Yeah, I like like it's such a punt. Though. Yeah, that's the that's the thing you have to kind of bear in mind. But I quite like it, and I feel like after last week, you'd be surprised if he didn't get a start again next week. Yeah, totally. Um, and he'll obviously be confident having done the goals. And the fact that it's Burnley next week, a team who have been, you know, quite poor this season Mm. and you'd have to worry about their defence. So I think that's a a very good opportunity where Newcastle are going to go to that expecting to, not expecting to get a win, but certainly hoping to get a win. He's another one that would help if you're, I say, you had Jimenez already and you have Wilson and you want to like downgrade him for the next couple of weeks or whatever. Rondon's yeah. a, another good one that could free up some money for you to get someone like Sterling in um, yeah. or someone someone higher value. So yeah, I, I definitely like him. And you've also highlighted Fernandez at 4.4. Yeah, so I picked Fernandez because the Cells is injured, one of the other lads, Dummett, is injured. Yeah. Um, so you've got like Yedlin and um, Fernandez, who are the other two. Yeah, so Yedlin is 4.5, 0.1 more expensive. Yeah, um, I just don't really, I'm not really hype on Yedlin. But it's kind of like much of a muchness between the two, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I think there are some clean, there are some potential clean sheets in here. If you're looking for a defender who no one else is going to have, hmm. who might cop a couple clean sheets, I think Fernandez isn't a bad option. Uh, so... If you got this far, you might be wondering why we haven't mentioned the other seven teams in the Premier League, and that's because they're all rubbish and you don't need to pay attention to them. I'm joking, of course. Uh, so Spurs are probably the most notable omission. Uh, I, I put a couple of players down here just to just to let you know who's good, in case you are a little bit of a, a Spurs apologist. Uh, so it's Lamella and Mora. They're the only two who I feel offer good value. Like Lamella at six point. Five or 6.6 he might have gone up um and Mora purely because of their prices I think there's been 
nothing to suggest that Kane is worth his price at 12.5 at the moment. Like, he scored for England today. He uh, got an assist as well. But he just still looks dodgy as hell. Like, he does not look properly properly up to it. And when you compare with Salah, who's 13 million, like, Salah gets so many more chances at the moment. Uh, what are your feelings on Spurs? Same sort of vibe? or I'm not interested whatsoever. Yeah. And I can't believe that at the start of the season I was worried about not having any Spurs players. Yeah, the problem with them this season, they've just... They've been priced too highly because of their historic performances. Mm. Uh, Fulham are also ones to watch. Uh, they've obviously hired Claudio Ranieri, Ranieri uh, former title winner with Leicester. And from what I remember, he basically won the title by winning a load of games 1-0. And considering Fulham were conceding lots and lots of goals, maybe they will tighten up their defence under Ranieri? I'm... You know, I, I wouldn't go out there and commit to saying it right now, but I do feel like we might see a slightly different kind of Fulham side in the coming weeks. Uh, and another team to look at who've been inconsistent, but you never really know, is Watford. Uh, I'm keeping Pereira for now. I don't like it, but they've got a couple of, like, okay fixtures. And there's just... They're one of those teams where there's no no standout obvious picks. And you don't really know what they've got to do from one week to the next. So there's that. Uh, and I guess we'll move on to a little Game Week 13 preview. Because we've got yes. lots of little games going on. Uh, Brighton-Leicester. <laughs> I mean, we've got the same amount of, of games week. going on as we do every week. Yeah. That's, well, it's certainly a lot more than we've had this week. Because there have been a grand total of zero Premier That's League games. So uh, Saturday's games... We've got a nice little, nice little run of three o'clocks. Because there's no twelve thirty. Because there's no twelve thirty. Thank you. As we totally knew the first time around. I'm feeling like there's some nice sort of like alternative captain options here because I'm a little bit iffy about Salah versus Watford. Um, I know he absolutely smashed them last season, but I don't know. I think it's my only option. Really. Mm. Yeah, we're not looking good. Yeah, not at all. Is the situation not at all? We've got um, Spurs Chelsea is the the later game on Saturday as well. So that's kind of like there goes your Hazard captain or a- anyone from Chelsea really because yeah, that's a presumably going to be a tight game, a tightly contested game. So on Saturday, if I was going to captain, I quite like Mitrovic. It's just like a, oh, screw it, whatever. What's the worst that could <laughs> Against happen? Against Southampton, yeah. I'd... Yeah. At home New as manager well. bounce. New manager. I'm kind of into it. I think I'll definitely at least vice him. Um, considering my vice is currently on Danny Ings, who's currently deceased. Um, but I think Salah is an okay option. Like, Foster's been hit and miss in goal, hasn't he? If Holobath yeah. starts as well, who knows what could happen. Yeah. Um, But also, any Man City player isn't a terrible option either. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a good week to maybe look at doing a little bit of a differential captain uh, with Everton's game against Cardiff. And, and also, if we move on to Sunday, where we have Wolves versus Huddersfield and uh, Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Like... Potentially a good time to have someone like Aubameyang captain. I'm considering it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think actually that's where I'd go. If I could pick any player and have any captain, 
Yeah. I'd probably captain Aubameyang. Yeah. And then uh, Wolves at home against Huddersfield. Like, Jimenez is an option, but the, the issue I have with Jimenez is he does often come off, like, around the 60th minute, and, you know, Wolves don't actually score a lot of goals, even though they they get quite uh, quite a lot of shots away and create quite a lot of chances. I haven't really seen a game where they've just been, like, scoring goal after goal. So that kind of makes me a little bit a little bit hesitant to go that way. Uh, and then we have a Monday game, Burnley versus Newcastle, which is probably the the most underwhelming of the week, really. Is anyone going to have anyone playing in that game? Yeah, it, it's one of those games that makes me think, oh, I could just transfer a Newcastle player in, but no, realistically, why? I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, Don't for me, that. it's it's kind of... Uh, looking at my transfers this week, uh, I think it has to be Doherty in just because of that Huddersfield and Cardiff back-to-back. Uh, the alternative was Richarlison, but actually, I was going to do hudson Odoi to Richarlison, because mm-hmm. he went up to 6.9 this week. Can't afford it anymore. No. So uh, my my plan, essentially, was Diop, who I bought at 4.3 and remains 4.3, out to Doherty. Yeah. And I'm going to play one Bissaka against Man United over Arnautovic, I think. He's playing City. Um, and then... Is Arnautovic not guaranteed two points, though? He's guaranteed one point because he might get yellow cards. He does okay. like a yellow card in a tough game. Yeah. I don't know if it's just my inherent bias against Man United, but I have a feeling that Palace could do something in that game, like keep a boring clean sheet and not score either. But uh, yeah, I kind of fancy that a little bit more than I fancy Arnautovic to score, but I might change my mind come the end of the week. Should we pick a clean sheet cup for this week? Yeah, I'm having Wolves, please. Wolves. Damn, of course you are. Okay. There were no points last week, just FYI, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Last week was such a long time away, a uh, long time ago as well, so... I'm going to say, I'm going to go all the way out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Man United Palace nil-nil. Why not? Oh. Try and, uh, try and cash in on my premonition. Okay. All right, baby. What are you doing for transfers this week? You got any uh, hype plans? I told plans? you... I told you earlier, if you were listening, that it's has, it has to be Mendy to Laporte. Ah, yes. Because old injury boy. What's exactly. going on with him? He's got no... I think he's got no set return date at the moment. No, he doesn't at the moment. He's starting to seem like a bit of a liability, old Mendy. Mm. Which, old. to be fair, we can't actually be that surprised about, considering he was out for the entirety of last season. <laughs> yeah, it I seems like really... we should have seen this coming. I mean, maybe. But yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, thank you for listening, if you got this far. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you can. If you enjoyed the show, that will help us get out to more people. Uh, obviously, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, also at The Denalysis. And you can email us your questions and feedback via hello at thedenalysis.com. Unless you have anything else to add, Natalie, I believe that is it for this week. It's true. Cool. Well, as I said, good luck, everyone. Hope you have... Uh, have enjoyed the international break. It's been freaking... Actually, you know what? England smashed it. We're going to win the Nations League, aren't we? So I didn't see it today, obvs, because I was out eating a tree or yeah, a roast. It was good. <laughs> we but, got revenge. Um, yeah, so Kind of meaningless, though. Uh, yeah, but it felt real. 
it felt real when I was watching it. I was like, oh God, we're losing. We've got to get relegated. And then all of a sudden we're 2-1 up and it's like, yes. So uh, good on the three you lines. get relegated from the nations. Yeah. Thing. So you have... So yeah, what? Uh, Where would we go? So there are like, there's like League A, League B, League C, League D. What league are we in now? We're in League A. Oh. So what happens the big is boys. We, stay, we stay in League A. Croatia right. go down to League B. Ooh. So they'll be like, with lesser teams and then guys from league b will come up and come face up. us and it'll be cool but, but isn't like there it. a semi-final yeah so like what happens now is all of the winners of their groups go into like a, a knockout tournament so that... like all of the league a winners yeah and all of the league b winners i, I and all of the league c winners i'm pretty sure that's how it works yeah but okay. it might also be that all of the winners of all of the leagues go into the same tournament. But no, I think I think the way you're saying it is the right way, uh, but no one really understands it. And it's got to be summertime when that comes around. We'll be like, ah, oh, so this is how it summer, works. Cool. Summer, summer, summer. I reckon it'll come around and still no one will know what's going on. Yeah, probably. Even the guys who are organising it are like, oh, so, oh for sure. so sorry, who's playing today? They'll just be like, oh, this guy and this guy. Uh, but yeah, podcast is over. See you later, guys. You Bye. nerds. Did you just call everyone nerds? Yeah, I did. I mean, accurate. Game-playing nerds, just like us.